0: Hey, folks, and welcome back to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today, as I always am. I'm especially excited today for this episode because I get to sit down with Nelson Peacock, who is the president and CEO of the Northwest Arkansas Council. For those of you that have been listening and staying tuned in, the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast and myself have partnered up with the Northwest Arkansas Council on a number of initiatives. You guys have heard me on the Arnwood Ozarks program that the council puts on on a quarterly basis to talk about different initiatives that are happening in the Northwest Arkansas corridor. And on top of that, I've also done some of their speaker series programs. And there's just a lot of of collaboration that's taking place now with the council and with the I Am Northwest Arkansas brand. And so we're excited to sit down and this will will be the not the first but this is actually the second of multiple podcast interviews that we're going to do over this next year just kind of initiating our audience and the general audience in Northwest Arkansas to the Northwest Arkansas council and all of the amazing work that they do because I think they are one of the best kept secrets in this area in terms of their focus and vision and what they're trying to do to really place make and make Northwest Arkansas a special place and they're one of the reasons that they're one of the ones that are Responsible for Northwest Arkansas being one of the fastest growing MSAs, Metropolitan Service Areas, in the country. And so I'm excited to sit down today and learn from Nelson, if, if nothing else about the origins of the council and why it started. When I first heard that story, I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing that these, these, you know, titans of industry had the foresight to say that we want to really make a, this place special, this place being Northwest Arkansas. So without further ado, Nelson Peacock. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So listen, we always start this off because we we always want our listeners to know who they're listening to, but I'd love for you just to give your Nelson Peacock's superhero origin story. You can give us the cliff note version. You don't have to go back to the cradle, but you can just give us a little bit about who you are.
2: Well, I will do that as quickly as I can. Um, (laughs) I was actually from the cradle. I was actually born in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Wow, okay. Uh, My father was in law school up here. But I was raised in eastern Arkansas, a little town in the Delta of uh, Mercury, Arkansas, and, and uh, grew up there, uh, came to school in Fayetteville and ultimately law school. And, you know, back then, this region did not have the opportunities. Uh, I don't want to date myself, but it certainly didn't have the opportunities that it does today. So I ended up making my way to Washington, D.C., uh, where I had a career in public policy. I worked at the Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, and the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee there, met my wife there, (laughs) Uh, uh, two kids born there. And then um, when they started growing, we started looking for different options. And we found our way out to California, where I worked at the University of California as the head of government relations in Oakland. And after about three years of crowds, commutes, high cost, we were looking again for something new. And serendipitously, the opportunity at the Northwest Arkansas Council uh, came open. I heard about it from friends uh, that lived here, and I threw my hat in the ring and fortunately was able to get the job, uh, move my wife, who's from California here. I think she questioned the move a little <laughs> bit, but it has worked out great. Uh, getting to have the platform of, I think of it as public service at the Northwest Arkansas Council has been great. It really fits with what I want to do, how I want to give back, and the impact that we can have by bringing others together at the council to focus on these big jobs. And I know we'll talk about uh, that a little bit more has really been great for me and really in a place where I feel like you can make a difference. It's not so large. It's not established that the die is already cast. Sure, Each each one of us can make a difference in this place.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious to know, because again, like I spent time in DC, you spent time in DC. So you've had, and you were out in California, you've had a lot of different experiences How you were removed from this Fayetteville experience and Northwest Arkansas for a while and the rest of the country when you came back. How surprised were you at the growth or were you kind of keeping tabs on things?
2: Well, I would come back for football games. I left in I left Arkansas in 98 uh, and would come back for football games. So I never really went to I only came to Fayetteville. Uh, Then I would see Northwest Arkansas on the top places to live and fastest growing. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. But I would come back really to go to games. Interestingly enough, I had never been to the Bentonville Square Until I came back to interview for this job. Wow. And I went to school and law school in Fayetteville. Back then, you know, it was just the center of the region, really was Fayetteville for social aspects and certainly for a college student. And but when I started to come back for the interview process, that's when I realized not only all that had happened, but the trajectory that this place was on and also how everyone was coming together to build the place that they wanted. And so that's what really motivated me to, to uproot the family and, and come back home in a way. And, you know, I've got a lot of college friends that are still here, <laughs> but a, a, a lot of my friends now that I've made since moving back are from other places. Yeah, and I think, as you know, there's over 50% of the people here are from somewhere else. And it's that nice mix, mix of nostalgia and also new ideas and creative people coming from all over that really makes it special
0: to me. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't know the the number pre-pandemic was like 32 net new people a day are moving here and, and, and it's still up there in the 30s. So I think that's significant. And that that lends itself to the work that the council is doing to try to make this a place for everybody on multiple levels. And so I would love for you, just for the uninitiated, pretend that a lot of my listeners don't know anything about the council, except for maybe hearing about the LifeWorks Here program and the $10,000 grant and a, you know, a couple of these other initiatives that you guys have put out. And they know the logo because they see it prominently displayed throughout social media and the website. But just give us a quick rundown of what, what the Northwest Arkansas Council sure, is. Sure.
2: Sure. Yeah. So the Northwest Arkansas Council has actually started Back in the early 90s, back, you know, I was, I guess, just getting to school up here at the time. And, you know, Sam Walton, as the story goes, called together Don Tyson, J.B. Hunt and other leaders. And I think he understood that his company was on a growth trajectory and the other companies as well. And uh, but they needed the community to be able to come along with them. Yeah. Back then, it was really hard infrastructure. Airports, road bridges, uh, but anyway, he called together those leaders and said, "You know, we really need to find a way to get all of these smaller municipalities working together to kind of tackle some of these big infrastructure projects." For those of people that were here, you know, to get to Little Rock, he went on the pig trail. There was no I forty nine back then, right? Right. Uh, the, the airport was in Fayetteville. There was no X and A here, and so those were really the things that the leaders of those companies felt that they needed, right? And so. They were successful in getting the airport built, and that's when they decided that they would keep this council as an entity. For the longest time, it was a one-person shop, and then we've grown and
0: expanded over time to fit the needs of the region. Yeah, I mean, because you have, I mean, there are multiple departments. You have a lot of people working at the council now. Every time I look up, there's somebody that I'm like, I didn't even know they were connected with the council. And you have some really bright minds that are part of this team.
2: Yeah, you know, we you know, the secret sauce of the council is getting everyone together. We're the major convener. So a lot of the work that we do is getting the right people in the room, uh, bringing some resources to get the, the best studies and analysis that we can get. So, you know, having people working full time on whether it's healthcare, or housing or workforce development really is what makes us this organization special. It's still the educators doing that work of educating, but it's making sure that that the business community is communicating with the educators to make sure that when a kid gets a diploma, high school or some certificate, then they're going to have a job. And so it's that's the kind of the secret sauce. We have we respond to the business community, about 100 or so members and mainly businesses, the large businesses, those founding entities, Walmart, Tyson, J.B. Hunt, Simmons Foods, George's, the University of Arkansas, and a handful of others make up our executive committee. And that's where we really kind of work through the ideas and the big picture things that we want the council to focus on.
0: Yeah. And so just, and you kind of highlighted them briefly, but if you would, I'd love for you just to kind of share some of the projects and initiatives that are, are really close to the council in terms of, your focus right now in 2023?
2: In yeah. I think about when you think about what the council does, we're really trying to make this a place where businesses can develop, recruit, attract and retain talent. What is it that we, to get people to come here, to get people to stay here so that we can have access to a good workforce? And so that could be programs around specifically workforce, working with educators and others. And so that's the way I look at it. Everything we do, even if it's a quality of life initiative, it is looking at it through an economic lens. So some of the major things that we do, obviously we have done, we continue to work on infrastructure that continues to be a core need, highways, roads, bridges. We still work daily with the airport to get more air service into the region. So that's still a core priority. We do a lot on workforce development. That's a key priority entrepreneurial support? How can we create an environment where we develop the next Sam Walton or Don Tyson right here? Because as we grow, we need to diversify our economy to make sure that we're not overly reliant on one or two or three major companies. And so there's a lot of work that goes into that. And then more recently, we have transitioned over and started to work on healthcare. Yeah, uh, we look at healthcare from an economic lens. We released a study back in 2019 where we found that the region was losing about a billion dollars every year uh, but due to medical outmigration. There was a lot of reasons behind that, but primarily it was changes to federal reimbursement policy about the time in the mid to late nineties, about the time when we were taking off. Yeah. So we are capped back at that old level of reimbursement. So that has made it difficult to get the high-level specialty care that we need. Despite all the growth that you see from Washington Regional and Mercy, we're just not keeping pace. And so the council came together, put together a transformation division where all of those providers would work together. We hired an executive director and set out some major priorities to really develop our healthcare system. And that's going to help us from an economic perspective. But also, now a family, if they have a special need or some medical emergency they can stay here and get taken care of. And so uh, that's what it's all about here. And that's really exciting. We've had a lot of progress in healthcare recently.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's funny that you mentioned healthcare. is like when I relocated here eight years ago, coming from Boston, which kind of has all of the health care right. that you could ever want and need a, ch- a wonderful children's hospital. That was actually a legitimate concern that my wife and I had. What, you know, what are we going to be able to have access to like we had in Boston, because we kind of took it for granted. Once you, you know, when you're in a place where it's great, you just assume that, oh, it's like this everywhere. But the reality is, is that it isn't. And so coming here and dealing with the local healthcare situation, you know, we saw a gradual increase, even in the short period of time that we've been here. And I'm calling out the children's hospital right there on I forty nine, which is an amazing facility right in Springdale. If you haven't been there, it's a great place to take your kids. If you've got any type of sickness or illness, my son's had an operation there. I have been blown away at how quickly that corridor from a healthcare perspective has transformed. And it's continuing
2: to do so. And will continue to do more. There's a lot more on the horizon in that space. The interesting thing about our healthcare system here is We have great access in high-quality primary care, well far and above places like Boston and Chicago where they have the high-level specialty care. Now, I know maybe a lot of people don't feel it when they have to wait six months (laughs) for an appointment, but we are statistically significantly better than all those places. Yeah. So one of the keys to our approach is how do we keep and improve that level of access to primary care and quality while we focus on the specialty care? Because they're two totally different sectors of healthcare and the economy, Yeah, we have to be able to do both. We would hate to have a system where we focus on high-level specialty care and people are flying in to this region for that care, which is great, great for the economy, but doesn't help the local individual here. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And the specialists are, I mean, that's coming. I, I mean, I hear from people, I've got some friends in medicine and they've talked to me about, you know, there is a significant push in this area to attract more specialists to come to Northwest Arkansas.
2: Yeah, one of the more interesting things that that we've worked on in healthcare is expanding medical residency. So after you graduate medical school, you have to go train under you know, under a doctor for 4 to 6 years depending on the type of residency. Well, because we had grown so fast, we were about 200ish residencies behind the national average. And so around 70% of the doctors end up practicing where they do the residency. In Boston, there are tons of residencies, <laughs> so there are tons of doctors right right And so we were very short and so we've actually worked with Governor Hutchinson and now Governor Sanders to expand our medical residencies and we just announced our first group of residencies that are at Washington Regional based on that effort and they're you know kids from Cabot and Searcy that otherwise would have had to go somewhere else to do the residency. So that will continue to grow over time. I think we're hoping to get up to 200 residencies here over the next five years. Yeah. And that'll be just physicians that we hope we can get here for the residency and ultimately stay.
0: Yeah. No, I'm excited about between that and, and what Alice Walton is working on. I mean, there are a number of initiatives here. And I think anybody that's here for the long term has to be hopeful for what 2030, 2040 will look like in Northwest Arkansas. And
2: that strategy we released in 2019, we put a 2030 uh, vision statement forward that included medical residencies, expanded research and a medical school. And, uh, you know, we're pretty far ahead of that schedule right now. So still a lot of work to do but made a lot of progress in healthcare.
0: Yeah, no, it really, it is, I think it is going to make a difference. So how would, I guess, you know, there are companies that, there might be business owners that are listening to this podcast that may be thinking, wow, you know, I'm nowhere near the size of Walmart. I'm nowhere near the size of J.B. Hunt or Tyson. How can I benefit from the work and from the research and everything that's being done and born out of the Northwest Arkansas Council? And how can I get involved with what you guys are doing? Sure. So the big companies are on our
2: board, but let's be honest—you know—they can handle themselves. Sure, so they're doing just fine. If they need to recruit talent, they can get a relocation package together, and they can get the people that they need here. So really, what we are doing is creating an ecosystem where or trying to anyway, where these companies that are smaller can can recruit and attract and retain talent. So that's where we spend the bulk of our time is with those medium-sized, small businesses going out, working with all the local chambers. Of course, they're a very important part of this, understanding their needs because their needs are very well different than a Walmart or a J.B. Hunt. Right. So I think the way that you would get involved is kind of depending on what your needs are. If you need to work on, you know, if it's workforce, you just want to get involved and understand the healthcare work that we're doing. just go on the website, look it up, look what we're doing and then reach out to us. I mean, that's really the best way. Ultimately, if you want to become a member, that's a referral system with the current member. But, you know, we are open any company or really any entity that is focused on making this a better place to be, providing a great opportunity for employees Then we're interested in working with them. And so if that means becoming a member of the council or just working on a work group, there's all manner of ways to get involved.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I like to think I'm a perfect example of that because I'm I'm a solo practitioner for the most part. But, you know, my goal is to continue to esteem Northwest Arkansas. And what it represents, and what it can be, and in doing so, that's how we connect it, and that's how we've been able to kind of, I've been able to kind of meld my story with what the council is doing, and to try to advance your message through this platform here at I Am Northwest Arkansas. So we certainly do appreciate that. I, I do want to ask you a simple question about, you know, we had this uh, blip on the radar screen, if you will, and and I'm not making light of it in any way, but but how did how did the COVID-19 pandemic impact your work, and any of the priorities the, the council had in place prior to 2020?
2: Well, it certainly changed things for a while, right. uh, especially in healthcare. Healthcare had just gotten started, and you know, obviously we had a forward-looking vision for what we were going to do on healthcare, and this was an immediate concern. But we had established those relationships with all the, the providers, and we were able, and also we have a great executive director who had worked at Cleveland Clinic who came down to, to help us and really understands the ins and outs of healthcare in a way that I don't for sure. Right. But he was able to help rally everyone. We were able to coordinate and collaborate on the number of cases and beds and the various hospitals. We were able to share a PPE. Remember that was a big challenge. Uh, At the time actually JB Hunt helped us with some customs issues in China to get more PPE here. We helped organize some of the vaccine clinics. And then really importantly, led by UAMS Northwest, uh, we were able to pull together get some state Funds and do some vaccine and prevention programs specifically targeted to the Marshallese, a yeah. uh, community that that culturally was just a little bit different, and so the messaging had to be precise and specially directed to them and. They have a lot of Marshallese speaking nurses and a physician. And so we were really able, if you go back and look, to turn the tide on COVID-19 in that community. They had a really disproportionate impact at first. And now, you know, over time, we were able to do a lot better with them. So that that's the major way during the time. I think the other thing that we were able to do is take advantage of the way people were looking at their lives in larger communities so San Francisco, and New York, L.A. And that's really when we we started to think about telling the Northwest Arkansas story a little bit more aggressively, because despite all the growth, we still have 10,000 open jobs here. <laughs> right. About a third of those are in STEM and STEAM. And as I mentioned, to diversify our economy, we have to continue to recruit talent, entrepreneurs. We need jobs to be filled here. And so we really took advantage of COVID-19 in the sentiment that maybe there was more to life than being in a two hour commute every day and really through some marketing and branding, some exposure and some national news outlets were able to tell the story of Northwest Arkansas. I mean, people that live here wouldn't believe this, but only about 30 percent of the people across the nation have even ever heard of Northwest Arkansas. Oh, I know. So, I know. you know, if you've been out in other places, <laughs> you know, you get raised eyebrows when right. you talk about Northwest Arkansas. So, you know. We wanted because we are proud of what's happening here, and we have a need to attract this STEM talent over time, and that's competitive everywhere. We took advantage of COVID 19. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but you no, know, that, I, yeah. that's what we were able to do through some of the LifeWorks here campaign and the branding effort just to. Tell the story of what's
0: going on here. That's called taking lemons and making lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's exactly what you guys were able to do. And so, no, I I agree with that 100%. Can you discuss in your mind, you know, now that we're kind of out on on the back end of this pandemic and some of the challenges that it presented, but can you discuss some of the recent successes or accomplishments of the council and what really stands out in your mind that's something that you can point to and say, because of this we've had, it's had a direct impact, you know, like one program I can think of is the LifeWorks Here program. And the only reason why I'm bringing that up is because I've actually had the opportunity to interview several of the recipients of that program. And all of these individuals, two, a man and woman that I've spoken to have made a significant contribution to this area since moving here.
2: Yeah. So, you know, the LifeWorks Here was kind of an idea that we borrowed from a few other communities, the idea that you would actually pay someone to move here. And so we did it kind of as a, like I said, you know, how to make lemons out of lemonade to tell our story. And we ultimately got around 68,000 applications <laughs> from That's a lot of applications. Yeah, countries all over the world, every state. And we only selected around 100 people. So it wasn't like there was this mass influx of people coming here but we were really able to be selective in the people that we chose. People that that really was embracing what we were selling, which is an easier lifestyle, access to the outdoors, but also someone that fit the needs of how you build a well-balanced community. So either an entrepreneur who was going to start a business or you know someone that was an artist or was going to open a restaurant here, or some of that deep STEM talent that our companies, not just the big ones, but some of our startups need. And so we we're able to kind of divide that up in thirds, you know, each way of, of the people that we selected, and like as you say, some really amazing uh, individuals here. One of the one of the people that I've gotten to know personally is a woman named Tammy Sun. Okay, she is the founder of Carrot Fertility, which is a women's fertility. I think the largest insurance company. Okay, and it is based right here in Bentonville. It's a distributed work model, so they have employees all over. But it's those kinds of people uh, that have been relocated here that are giving back to entrepreneurs at the university as they try to start their own business. And so you're just seeing this flywheel take place of a lot of these people that have come here from other places. They were in San Francisco. And I think it was either her or her partner, Phil Libin, who basically said, once I got here, I didn't real, and I went back to San Francisco. It's like, I didn't realize all this, crap that I had to deal with just living there, just getting through the day. And so a lot of examples like that. And I think that's probably our biggest success story. Another follow on uh, from COVID-19 and some of the federal resources and state resources that came in was a program called Upskill NWA, uh, which is a program to help train people with medical skills. So nurses, medical techs and others and that program really focuses on people that want to get a better job, upskill their life but don't have the resources or the time. So this program will help them with tuition or with childcare or with transportation, kind of the people that that are working hard or maybe two jobs. How can they get a better job to improve their, you know, quality of life? And so that program flowed directly out of COVID-19 that's a program we hope to expand.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's an amazing program. It originally started in San Antonio. We had Carol Silva Morales on the podcast, episode 208. And first of all, Carol is a dynamo, but the program is not, and this is no exaggeration. It is the type of program that can actually impact generations. And they've studied that through the results of the people that have matriculated through that program in San Antonio. The hope is that that same replication will we will experience it here in Northwest Arkansas.
2: Yeah. And, you know, that program is an example of kind of the, the council and the way we work. Jeff Webster with the Accelerate. right? He's really pushed that. Obviously, Carol is doing the work. The council was involved at the outset with some of the community colleges, uh, NWTI, figuring out the needs and would this work. But those two individuals really took it and ran with it. And so, you know, we take some credit for it because we were there at the outset <laughs> right. explaining the need and, and you know helping get the medical providers on board. But there are so many programs like that where we just were there at the start and you know they're out doing their thing. And so we're really, we're proud of what they're doing. Hopefully they will continue.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Jeff. I've actually had him on the podcast and Accelerate's a great organization. I would love for you just to kind of talk a little bit about How the council is collaborating with other organizations like Accelerate, like the Walton Family Foundation, that have similar missions or at least have some semblance of not sameness with regard to the mission of the council, but there's just connectivity there.
2: Well, we work closely with both of those organizations. Obviously, the Walton Family Foundation is key to the council and many of the programs that we push forward. They are invested at a foundational level yeah. to the advancement of Northwest Arkansas. And many of the things uh, that they hope to achieve, they will work through the council to try to operationalize that. So we work with them. We talk to them all the time at many different levels. Same with Accelerate. They do have this healthcare focus and this anti-poverty focus uh, that isn't necessarily always uh, consistent you know we're not always uh, in that space uh, right. with them except for the the healthcare but we work with them quite a bit so we can make sure that our programs are complementary yeah also the walmart foundation is very generous in giving us grants they've helped us with the the recycle program and some of our in wa work and so they they've been a great partner as well the chambers we work with all the chambers there's a northwest arkansas chambers association right We meet with them monthly uh, and, you know, they are really the eyes and ears on the grounds to a lot of the small businesses across the region. And the idea is you can't just have a a workforce program in Springdale or Fayetteville or Bentonville. The towns are too small. So how do we work to make sure they have regional impact with employers across the region? And so that's kind of how we divide up the work.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sure you can appreciate it having lived in D.C. and also California. and you understand the concept of, hey, this is mine, go, you know, I got mine, you go get yours. That sentiment doesn't exist here in Northwest Arkansas. I mean, and again, like I said, you've seen a lot in your travels and in your profession, but I have just seen this place being Northwest Arkansas to be an overly collaborative area where everybody's looking for ways to help each other out, even if they're competitors. That's right. You know, I think
2: that actually goes all the way back to the genesis of the council. There was an expectation from the leaders that we would find a way to work together. You know, at the time Fayetteville was giving something up to move the airport to where it is now. They yeah. had the you know the Fayetteville Airport. Rogers was pursuing uh, trying to to expand their access to air travel. So they all gave something up to get something that's better for everyone, and that happens on a daily basis. And so you know, but I do think it's the expectations of the business community. It is the expectations that have built up over time that we're going to find a way to collaborate. And ultimately, I think everyone has seen success by doing it that way. Uh, And that leads to more collaboration, more cooperation. You know, if you're seen as not being collaborative, you'll pretty soon probably be excluded from the meetings where you want to be, where the solutions are trying to be figured out. So we're very fortunate. This was happening before I got here, so I can't take credit for it but it has continued to build as we grow as we get bigger i think we'll all have to work harder to make sure that that spirit maintains itself but uh, right now we're in a really good spot as far as cooperation and collaboration
0: yeah so in that same vein when you start to kind of talk about infrastructure development how is the council playing a role in that and what what have you guys what success have you found in the focus of infrastructure. And when I think of infrastructure, I think of obviously better roads, better buildings. It is placemaking at the highest level where you're able to come in and say, hey, this is what we need in this community. This is what we need in Springdale. This is what we need in Rogers. This is what we need in Johnson. This is what we need in Bentonville and Bella Vista and all these areas that make up Northwest Arkansas. Can you just speak to the importance of the infrastructure focus? Well,
2: you know, all the cities and the counties have great planners, and so they're putting together their plans. There's the the Regional Planning Commission that we work closely with. And so what the council does is we try to overlay that and identify the most high-priority projects to, you know, to get everyone rallying around. The most recent example, or the example when I first got here where the council was, Intimately involved, and, and part of the success was getting the Bella Vista bypass done. Right, That was languishing there for two decades, where Arkansas had the money at one point, Missouri didn't have the money, and vice versa. And so they never decided to make, make it meet in the middle. And so we came, and when I got here, I was asking about what's going on with that. We've got the fastest growing region in the country, and we don't even have an interstate <laughs> connection. You know, it right. ends. It ends three miles north of Walmart. How can that be? And we were able, because of our, we're not a government entity, so we were able to go to Missouri and find out what's going on and how could we get them to prioritize that. And ultimately, we were able to get everyone to agree and our congressional delegation was helpful. We were able to get a a build grant for $25 Yep. And we didn't need the money on the Arkansas side. We'd already set that aside because of the half cent sales tax that we had passed for highways. We gave that money to Missouri yeah. to allow them, to plus their own money that we convinced the governor to provide, to build their section to the state line. And so a lot of people thought that was crazy that we would take our money and give it away. But to us, it was federal money. Yep, And it was, you can't build a, the, the road to nowhere we had to make a connection. And so ultimately, that is the role that the council played that no other group could have done or would have had the resources, you know, to go do it. And so that was one of the main areas where we focus. Now, we worked really hard to get the half cent sales tax extension. And we're working really collaboratively with the Arkansas Highway Department to get 112 uh, built, which is part of the plan. Sure. All the way from Fayetteville to Bentonville. That plan is out there, and uh, construction should start relatively soon. Highway getting the the highway to the airport is key. That project is almost planned and ready to go. Yeah, and then finally, we've we really need to get the four twelve bypass built. We've been talking about that since for twenty years. Uh, one of the council staffers, Rob Smith, used to be a journalist. Yes, <laughs> and he pulled an article from twenty or two thousand two. Yeah talking about that bypass and people saying, oh, we'll get it done in the next five years. Right. So that was over 20 years ago. We've got to get that project done. The more we build around it, the harder it's going to be, the more exactly. expensive it's going to be. So we're hopeful that the the highway department will work with us, with the business community and, and really expedite that project. And so that is kind of how we work. We kind of take these big, the biggest of priorities that are going to have regional impact. And then we work with all the regional planners. You know, we're not planners. Uh, we don't build highways. What we try to do is align priorities. And then if need be, help identify the funding to make it happen.
0: Yeah. Well, and let's say that there's certainly plenty of work out there to be done. So, That's right. Yeah. And you guys are achieving it little by little.
2: Yeah. The, the other area, I don't know if it's infrastructure or not, but the housing issues that we are facing. Yeah. This really came up quickly affordability, combined affordability and a great job has really been our special sauce out in the world. And that's starting to change. Now, we're still way lower than a lot of these big urban areas, but a good house is increasingly becoming unattainable. Uh, And that is, we've called this our inflection point for the region last year. We basically said, you know, we have to keep growing. We have to continue to make these investments in our economy. In our quality of life to continue to attract people. But if we don't get ahead or catch up to this housing issue and transit issues, infrastructure, you know, we are going to be in a place 20 years down the line where this place looks a lot different uh, than it does today. Yeah. With, you know, up to a million people, you know, in the next 20 years from the 550,000 we are today, where are all those people going to go? Right. You know, we can't keep spreading out. They're going to have to be in the footprint of our major cities today. So I think people are going to have to learn to embrace a little bit of density in the right locations, done the right way with high quality construction in and around amenities and around our schools. You can't have teachers that live in Salem Springs and teach in Bentonville. That's no good for the community. That's not good for that family. That's what happens in San Francisco. In Boston. In Boston, in New York, where teachers are commuting two hours firefighters are commuting two hours, police officers. We need those people that serve our community to be in our community. And so that is what we have to, I think, strive for. The market won't take care of this. The market will keep expanding out to where land is cheaper to build housing. So we have to come with some creative solutions to build within the footprints of our existing cities to address this challenge.
0: And it's actually one of the values of a number of the speaker series that you do, because you bring all of these different parties to the table to say, hey, we have to come up with a solution. We can't just sit by and let time happen and us not address this. And so even with the the workforce housing and workforce development, specifically the workforce housing, that's something where I've talked to folks from ULI and other organizations that say, hey, we have the infield that we can do it properly, but it needs to be done now. That's right. And a lot- Fortunately,
2: in this and like so many other things, there are cities that we can look to that have done things right. But let's be honest, most of them have done things wrong. Sure. And I think most of that, if you go ask those leaders, say in Austin or the Bay Area or Los Angeles, is they didn't take it as seriously as they should have. Right. Because it's hard. It's hard when there's a new project going up, you will see it. And every project that city councils vote on here now, there is someone that is upset about that new development. (laughs) And so hopefully through the council's work and the Workforce Housing Center, we can create an environment where those decisions will be easier. And everyone has an understanding that we're going to get the community that we build. Right. So if we don't build it the right way, and if we continue to sprawl out into the countryside, then we will be a community of commutes and traffic. And, you know, if you look out 20 years and you have a young child here today. That's not the community that that you want them to be raised in. No, or that's not a community they they may not want to stay in a community like that. So we have to do this work starting now and really uh, try to get aggressive about it. The speaker series is all about education, not only the general public, but you know, trying to educate our policymakers, practitioners, builders, practitioners. Are, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, those are great. I would commend anyone to go to our website and find those. You, you will see things that have happened in other cities and just how to redesign a big shopping mall parking lot. And you're like, that is a place that I want to live in. <laughs> right. You know? And so it the visuals are really compelling of what we can do if we get
0: this right. Well, yeah, no, the possibilities are truly endless. It's just a matter of getting people involved in the conversation. Right. Because, you know, down the road, people will say, well, we never had a say in this. And it's a lot of times it's because people just didn't contribute or participate. And you guys create opportunities for people to do that. And from wide groups in this area. And so as I land this plane, I want to ask you, uh, there was a, a wonderful demographic study done by the council, not terribly long ago. And I want to understand from your perspective, how the council is prioritizing diversity, equity, and inclusion in the work that you're doing. I know that the study played I mean, it created a lot of aha moments for all of us that read the study, understanding that just the explosion of the the Latinx community and and so many other demographic, so many other people, groups that are represented demographically, but I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are about how the council kind of gets some control of that and how you represent the whole concept of DEI. Yeah, sure.
2: So so that uh, report is the diversity report. I forget the exact title of it, but that was the second one we put out. And basically the genesis of that was, was like, this place looks different than when the council was founded. I think back then it was 95% white. Right. Now we're almost one third underrepresented minorities. And sure. so this report actually just take, took a look at each city to see how we're changing and, you know, Rogers and Springdale are majority Hispanic school districts. And so there's going to continue to be a lot of change demographically. So we wanted to inform that as we build a, a region of belonging and inclusivity. How do we make this change, make this thing that is going to happen? I mean, it's demographically happening. How do we make it a strength and not a weakness? And you yeah. do that through creating you know, a region that is inclusive, where we foster a belonging for everyone. And the only way to do that is to get more people at the table, to give them opportunity to be involved in the discussion, to be involved in the planning, to be involved in creating the future of this region. So we do a lot of that work through our Engage uh, NWA program to hear from those perspectives, to let them have a seat at the table. And we are now working to embed DEI as a core tenant to each of our programmatic work. So whether it's Workforce housing, whether it's our healthcare, workforce development, and on and on, we are working to embed that in each of those programmatic areas. I think as we go forward, this is key, getting harder. It's a little bit of a challenge with some of the politics that are taking place. And so we really need everyone to understand, at least from the business community that I represent, that you're going to be seen. You're going to have a seat at the table. You're going to be invited into the discussion and how we make this a better place for everyone. You know, I think that not only is that the right thing to do, it just adds such a vibrancy, a cultural richness, and we want to embrace that and continue to develop that.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, well, well said and, and and I see it in the practice of some of the programs that you've put on and those that participate. I mean, even the fact that I'm able to participate in some of these programs, I think is pretty cool. I mean, again, nobody knew me 8 years ago here and here I am having conversations with you and so many others. So I think that's that is very promising. And I, I look forward to what the future holds for that.
2: And if you take your story and project that out to the thousands of people that move here, you have grown to love this place because you've been involved. Right. You had opportunity to meet people, to create stickiness in a region, to make connections, to establish friendships. We need that for everybody, Yeah. not only for the people that are born and raised here, but for people that move here as well. And yeah. And I think that's how we are going to continue to grow, continue to thrive as a region.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, gosh, I mean, you've shared so much. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of ideas about what you think the future holds, but do you have one specific goal that you'd like to see in the next, this is 2023, in the next five to seven years that the council will be, will have a hand in helping bring to fruition?
2: You know, I really think that the the challenge of that we have to face is this growth challenge how do we preserve the character and build on the character of the our communities that everyone loves and you know Springdale is going to be different than Rogers and Rogers is going to be different than Bentonville and Salem's different how do we embrace what those communities are what people love about those are in a place that's going to double in size right that to me is the key challenge how can we ensure you know housing optionality for people some people want to may live out in the country and that's great Others may want a downtown walkable environment where they can ride their bike to work. How do we create optionality for everyone that wants to live here? And I do think that that is ultimately the challenge. We're going to continue to get startups. We're going to continue to work with the university on their research enterprise. We're going to continue to grow our healthcare sector. We're going to establish as many workforce programs as we can. Like I said, we still have tens of thousands of jobs open. It seems like the more work we do, the more jobs there are to fill. Uh, but it really is how do we handle this growth question because ultimately that creates the kind of community that you're going to live in and so absolutely. that to me is the significant challenge that we have i think it's already
0: here but it's only going to grow yeah absolutely well i think you have some amazing people around you you've surrounded yourself i've got a chance to meet a number of the staff members uh with the council including the great nate green who's your director of communications he's just sitting right beside you here today and he's very silent, but uh, still uh, he is making a tremendous impact in this area by effectively getting out the word of what the council is all about as both near and far. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. Any organization, the most important thing that you can do
2: is hiring the right people. Right. I've been very fortunate in that, particularly with Nate, uh, but also with some of the other people that are involved with the council. And so when you hire the right person, it makes your job really easy. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. And we, and we, we actually were gonna, are going to get a few of the other representatives that are part of different areas of the council on the podcast in the future to talk about their area so that we can go a little deeper in some of the other subjects that several of our listeners would be really interested in. But this was a really great first start. And so, Nelson, thank you so much for joining us. Nelson Peacock is the president and CEO of the Northwest Arkansas Council just an overall outstanding individual. We really appreciate your time today.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. And thanks for sharing the word of Northwest Arkansas.
0: Absolutely. Well, folks, that's another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. To learn more about us or to read or download the show notes from today's episode, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. You can listen to this podcast and sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Sign up today. And remember, You can subscribe to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it. And please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week for another new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.